welcome to Dropped in Candace. I am so excited to have you here and to share you with my incredible Dropped in community. How are you doing today? I'm, I'm doing great. I'm in Santa Barbara right now. The weather's gorgeous and uh, life is spectacular. Mm, I love California. It has this very, very special space in my heart. Is that where you live? No, I'm in Texas. Uh, I moved to Texas a couple of years ago, but I'm visiting my son here. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Very nice. Very nice. Well, I'm excited to drop in today with you on all things that you are a master at. It sounds like all things healing. And I'm just so excited for this conversation because healing has been a huge part of my journey and supporting others along their healing journey is one, one that is like my soul's mission, my soul's purpose. So I'm really excited to drop in with you and share all of your magic and medicine with our crew. So I would love to know, I always love to learn, like, how did you get into the work that you facilitate today? Um, what was, was there like a catalyst that kind of got you into this work? Was there like a pivotal moment in time? Would love to learn. Yeah, that's such an interesting question because you talk about dropped in. I think I'm consistently dropping in. I don't think I've ever gotten there. I think I live in confusion and chaos, which is another word for saying here. I'm constantly learning and growing and deepening according to what is being handed to me. Um, as I was saying, I'm in Santa Barbara right now. So I have clients that I just have clients everywhere around the world. So wherever I am, they they come. And there was a woman who came today from um, Seattle, I think, who you can watch. It's live. I just finished doing it. Um, has Parkinson's, right? So I'm working on her and she's had it for two years. And they, I think they said I was their 15th doctor or practitioner they had gone to to no avail. And I've been able to take her pain level from a five down to a three where it hasn't been at all since she was diagnosed. Um, but you ask how I got here today while I'm working on her, I'm still getting here. <laughs> you know, I'm seeing her toes wiggle for the first time or wow. she's seeing her toes wiggle for the first time. And so where did it start? Oh, such an interesting answer. Birth. <laughs> I came in with this and it was my biggest problem. Um, mm -hmm. it wasn't an asset. It wasn't a gift. My mom told me when I was very little, never to let anyone know when I touched them, I could heal them. Mm. It's the sixties. Uh, I was 14 years old when I started doing Kundalini. I was listening to one of your shows and you know, that touched my heart. Uh, you were saying how weird you thought it was in the beginning. Um, I never thought it was weird. I never, um, I, I, I was home the minute I found it, I was home, but I had to lie to my mom. And I said, I was going to ballet class and cause these people had white turbans and it's the early seventies and it's a cult. And you, you know, it's a, it's, a, it, it's constantly dropping in right from the very beginning. It's not, this is what I chose to do. Mm -hmm. I went to school and I learned it. Here's what I did. And here's how I make my living. Mm -hmm. um, it's the opposite of that. So mm -hmm. I think I was, I have four sisters. Um, we're very, they're all exactly the same. And then there's me. I was born a vegetarian that didn't go over well to a meat eating family. Mm -hmm. um, I, I didn't read well. I was a dancer. They were debaters. Everything was odd and different. 
in my camp looking out. And then of course I found Kundalini and I also do, you must know Yogi Bhajan because he brought Kundalini to America. I used to have lunch with him at La Scala every Sunday. Um, wow. His son had a restaurant called the Golden Temple okay. on La Brea and Third. And I was a vegetarian from birth. So when I found mung beans and rice and Yogi tea and, you know, it's just home. But I had to lie to get to be home. Oh, my goodness. Because it's not my family. It's that nobody understood it back then. Mm -hmm. we'd go to the golden temple the actual temple to do kundalini yoga and um anyway fast forward that became a a, a path a journey to find my kin to mm -hmm. look to see why i was so different from everyone i knew mm -hmm. i loved everyone i knew but i was so different mm -hmm. and and that search began and from the time i was little i wanted to journey and go and experience and Wow. So I started going overseas relatively young. Um, in the beginning, it was Ireland and, you know, different places, but it ended up becoming, you know, India, Africa, Indonesia, Thailand, where I've spent, I had spent 10 years in India, 15 years in Indonesia, years in Marrakesh and Kenya and Rwanda and Thailand and, you know, places like that, Tulum and, you know, places where I was thriving to meet healers and people that kind of quantify and edify what I always knew and what I'd always been doing. Most of them were not real. Hmm. Most of them had a, you know, a gimmick and a, or a lot of them thought they were real because, you know, they didn't believe that you could actually heal someone with your hands. Right. But when I found ones that could or that could channel or speak about it or read certain ways. It's kind of like, you know, I don't know what they say. Drug addicts know each other. Well, healers know each other. Yes. <laughs> and yes, I, I totally get that. So wow. yeah, I made my home there with a lot of that. Very cool. If I may, I'm just going to go back a little bit because, you know, you you mentioned like you basically came out of the womb, a healer, right? And so you-, well, you I, I came out of the womb being able to heal. Mm -hmm. That d does not make you a healer. That terrified me. Yes, yes, I I totally totally understand that, respect that, and and I get that. So, your mom saw your gifts. Is this correct? And and she basically told you to like hide them and and not share them, or how, like how did that all unfold? She didn't say hide them and don't share them. She just said keep that to yourself. Like it, what, when you're seven and nine and. 12 years old and you touch them and they go like, my shoulder doesn't hurt anymore. You think they're playing with you. You think they're making fun of you. But I thought they were making fun of me. I thought, I'm like, what are you talking about? But it happened too often with people that didn't know each other. And mm. then um, my mom had something when I was young on her hand that doctors couldn't remove. And they said, if we did surgery, it would come back. And it was just like huge welt, um, like a the size of an like a walnut on her hand and I touched her one day and she goes I'm really tired I have to go to sleep and then the next day she showed me her hand and it was completely clear and it didn't have an empty sack or a mark or a scar it was just her hand and the doctors had said you know we can cut it off but it'll grow back and it'll scar and it might you know deform your hand and so after that happened, she said, you did that. And I was like, no, I didn't. She goes, yeah, you did. I said, 
I did not. And she said, don't ever let anyone know you can do that. Just it wasn't a big deal. It wasn't a sit down. It wasn't a, you know, admonishment. It was just kind of like, babe, like when I was a vegetarian, the word vegetarian didn't exist. There, there was no, I mean, if you, when we were little, we would go to Taco Bell and I would, my mom would be mad at me because we'd have to pay extra to take the meat out. Mm-hmm. If, if they took wow. the meat and they wanted extra beans and cheese, you had to pay extra for the beans and cheese, but they didn't take out because there was no button. <laughs> so it was so many weird things. Um, yeah. And so you you were intuitively guided to be vegetarian, even though obviously, I mean, your body no, knew I wasn't what in, you wanted. I wasn't intuitively guided. At six months old, my mom said I spit the chicken across the room. I was not intuitively guided. I never. But your body knew that you didn't want to eat meat. It it repulsed me, but I'm the only person I know that went backwards. I eat meat now. (laughs) Yeah, I was vegan once and now I I eat meat again. So, um... Well, I was never vegan once. I was born a vegetarian and about 26, I was pregnant with my first child who is a Michelin starred chef. So there's food for you. Um, And- and while I was pregnant, my husband said, um, that's my child too. And he deserves meat. Mm. We were at a restaurant called Chasen's, which was really famous in Beverly Hills many years ago. And they had a steak called hobo steak. And so, and my husband was eating a hobo steak. So he said, please take a bite. And I took a bite. It was the best food I'd ever tasted in my life but I could only eat that one bite. So every time I was pregnant, I would just have a bite of meat. Mm. And that just, now I'm 62 and, you know, I'll eat meat, but I mean, I have this much, but I'll eat meat. It's not a, it's not in my intellect. It's not in my, it's not a religion. I just don't like it. It doesn't sit well with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. Okay. So you have these incredible gifts um, and you, you are starting to share these gifts like with your mom and etc and then how did how did you get into the space now transitioning to the work that you facilitate today I speak about this all too often um my friends would come over and we would chat and then they would tell me the next day oh my god I got that job or that boyfriend or I made this money or whatever and I just love my friends and I love talking to can you see I like to talk <laughs> like talking to people and so um I my four children were born and I asked my husband at the time for a divorce and I said you know it's time to go to work it's time to get a real job I have to support this family and my friends all said but you'll still talk to us right and I said no I have to get a job I it, you know we're not having coffee all day anymore and they all said, well, we'll pay you. So well, you're going to pay me to chat with you? That's ridiculous. They said, when you talk to us, we make money. We should share that with you. Now, they it wasn't a they. It was individuals, right? Mm-hmm. So to get them off my back about 36 years ago, I said, um, fine, get me a space, get me 20 students, and I'll teach. <laughs> Knowing I'd never hear from them again. These are LA kids, right? A week later, they had a space and they had 20 people. And so I showed up. I was terrified. Who would want to hear from me? And I cried after, like, nobody's ever going to come back. It, it was it was daunting. Mm-hmm. Um, and the next week, they all came back and brought friends. Wow. And that's how my career started in my late 20s. Um, but but then I was I wasn't not healing. 
um, as a human behavioral specialist, but I wasn't a human behavioral specialist back then. Um, but I taught uh, directors how to direct movies and actors how to become stars and writers how to get Emmys and uh, mm. all, but it's all based in human behavior. My modality that I created that I have copywritten, trademarked, right, is um, all the technology I've created comes out of human behavior, comes out of understanding the body and the mind within an inch of itself. It doesn't, it, it, it's not a made up thing or it's not a craft or it's not a, um, it, everything came out of like this woman on my table today um, with Parkinson's and she and her husband who flew in and they're saying, well, when I do this and I have this and my toe doesn't this. And so I'm in her brain and I'm saying, okay, I'm in the part of your brain that um, connects to your foot. So while I'm moving that part of your brain, see if you can move your toe. And she'd never been able to move her toe. And all of a sudden her toe starts moving. Mm. Um, and then I'm teaching her also ontologically when I go to separate her legs, just two inches so I can touch inside of her legs for my modality to do the healing, her legs aren't spreading apart because of the Parkinson's. So I'm mm -hmm. also speaking to her and teaching her how to get, how to command her mind to help me help her. Mm -hmm. And I'm watching her be able to develop these commands, which people with Parkinson's aren't trained to develop commands. They're in terror, going to someone they don't know, saying, will that pill work? Are you going to save my life? Right? There's no such thing as any life on this planet being saved. We all die. Mm -hmm. But the um, interaction and the play of the game of life during life is what, you know, everybody's born mm -hmm. and everybody dies. Mm -hmm. But very, very, very few people actually live while they're alive. Mm -hmm. In my so opinion, true. So most true. people are preverbally reacting to what they've already decided this, that is. And if I do it correctly, it'll get me there. Or I lie about what I don't know how to do. Mm -hmm. Or I, so they're, mm -hmm. they're puppets playing at. Hmm. I have a question. So in terms of uh, individuals who have Parkinson's or individuals who have MS, in your experience, do you find that these individual individuals have um, commonalities, they have similar traits. I find similar traits and, um, well, I've never worked on any two people in my life the same way because every human being is, every body is different. Mm -hmm. You had Parkinson's for 20 years or 20 weeks. Are you 80 years old or 50 years old? Do you have multiple other dysfunctions in the body or just, well, you can't say just, but you know, Parkinson's is, um, so I've never, when I touch a body, I'm reading the body. Mm -hmm. I'm also intuitively, I mean, there wasn't, was it the same woman? No, there was another lady that was here. She came from Long Beach or something. Um, and she um, had had seizures. I mean, like I said, it's live. You can go watch it right now, but um, she had had seizures and I said, okay, I see it in the top left side of your brain right here. But then I also have the ability, this technology I've developed where I can use my hands as an x-ray machine. So when I touch her, when I, when I touch you, you can feel heat or tingling or pressure inside of you so that you can report back to me. It's twofold. One is so that we're interactively playing. You're not, I'm not just a doctor going take two Tylenol and call me tomorrow, right? You know that I'm in you because you can feel me in you. You know it's working because you're feeling better. 
and you're able to report to me where you're feeling it, which helps me identify and go in deeper. Mm -hmm. So I said, I see it in the top left side of your brain, um, but I'm going to go in now and I'm going to go all, you know, now I'm in the back of your brain. What do you feel there? It's just like a little bit of heat. Okay. I'm, I'm in the right side of your brain. What do you feel there? Nothing. Okay. You're going to feel pressure in the top left side of your brain. And that's going to show that's where the seizures happened from. I get into the top left side of her brain. She's like, yeah, I feel pressure. So pressure is where the dysfunction, the disease, the cancer, the torn muscle, the hernia, whatever it is, is dislocating and rearranging. Mm -hmm. Once once that ailment has finished that process, it'll then turn into heat or tingling or coolness. And that's the direct healing taking place. Mm. So from what you asked, yeah, I mean, my intuition is playing that I see it in the top left side of her brain, but I can only concur that it is that once she acknowledges back, that's where she feels it. But we only know the truth of that because she's feeling better or she went to the doctor and they did a CAT scan and confirmed it. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. Very interesting. Um, are you familiar with uh, the book, Feelings Buried Alive, Never Die? I can't recall the author. And then Louise Hay's book. You can hear I mean, way. I've never read her books, but I have this ability to read two pages of a book and tell you what the whole book is about. I am so envious of you. <laughs> I, uh, I didn't read a book, my first book, till the 10th grade. I couldn't mm -hmm. read. I was in special reading classes. I had, I came to this planet different. I um, love it. I didn't know how to read. And there was this famous um, skier who was an Olympic skier who fell off the back of a mountain she had a movie made about her called The Other Side of the Mountain. Her name was Mrs. Kimmont. Um, and she became paralyzed from skiing Olympically in the Olympic Olympically. Can you say that? In the Olympics. And um, so she became my special reading teacher. So while all the other kids went out to play, I went to learn to read. So I mm -hmm. learned to understand things. I learned to read without reading. Right. I think right. it's all part of the process. I really believe if God wants a pearl on this planet, he's got to put a lot of sand in that oyster. <laughs> I love that. I love that. So my question in regards to those books is, so from my understanding, what I've learned is that um, suppressed emotions, suppressed events, suppressed experiences, our bodies hold on to that. And so if, if we aren't uh, embracing going towards like the shadows that have occurred in our life, uh, it can manifest into different diseases. It, it will manifest. It has to manifest. It can't stay dormant. I call it pre-verbal. Mm -hmm. So the first eight years of your life, you come into existence. Uh, you don't know you're a girl or who your parents are, or what language you speak or what year it is until you're taught that. And once you're taught, you remember, retain and repeat. Mm -hmm when things happen out of order, especially things that scare us, our being gets replaced. It, a little piece of our being hides and it's replaced with an intellectual conceptual idea that goes, this is what that is. And you become come into being, become that with which will protect you the next time that there happens again here. So that pre-verbal second time it happens, it's completely organic out of order by the third time it happens, you've become it. Now that's your truth. It goes on like a shelf behind you, his storybook or her storybook, and that shelf builds, but it builds daily. 
it's not pre-written. It builds daily, but it builds according to the pages before. So it's repeating itself until you become aware and become willing to risk taking an action beyond what you currently thus far know. But we live in a culture that says, don't make mistakes, don't get it wrong, get to the future, that'll save you. Don't let anyone see you making a mistake, lie if they do. Um, if you don't get it first, someone else will see my, you know, like all of these horrible things. You know, the worst thing we were ever taught in the world was when in doubt, think it through. The worst thing you can do is think it through because you're only going to repeat what you already know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How are you living alive? You're living dead. You're repeating mm -hmm. if you're thinking it through. Mm -hmm. The yeah. terror of being alive, being in nonsense we're always living in sense, right? So you talk about something happening in the body gets stuck in the body. Very often when I'm working on someone and I'll heal a muscle or, or um, an organ or whatever, they'll just have an emotional response. And it's mm -hmm. very overwhelming in the moment. And then you watch the mind flood in as they start to get scared, like what is happening? And my job in that moment is to get them to dislocate from the pathology and to say, look, that's just a Kriya. Your body is having a release. Do not take your mind or emotion to it. Don't let your pathology now start to make what that is. Let it release from your body, just like the pain that is going away right now. Mm -hmm. And you can help direct them that preverbal historical log that helped to create that dis-ease. We'll just go back into the ethers from whence it came and healing can prevail. Mm. Releasing it on a somatic level is so profound. It has to be. You can't release it at an intellectual level. You can't release it in a hospital. The hospital is a facilitator of it sometimes, not usually. They cut it out or band-aid it or numb it or distract you from it or make something else worse Medicaid. so you don't notice it. Um, but I also, I train doctors and nurses all over the world and I respect the medical community tremendously. I have healers I've trained on six continents. Um, I really respect the medical community. My firstborn son would be dead today because the umbilical cord was three times around his neck. And mm -hmm. if I didn't have a machine to say, stop pushing, the doctor reached inside, cut the umbilical cord, pulled him out, right? It just, he wouldn't be here. I have tremendous respect, but I also think God is saying, God, whatever your word for God is. I love the word God, but to me, God is beyond what we know that we came from, that we'll go back to, that we, the best we've got on this planet is a theory. It's so mm -hmm. much grander than we could possibly capitulate, you know, a meaning. So now everybody's just angry about it and throwing around theories at each other. But let's not even go there. <laughs> but that I believe God, Mother Nature, Father Sky, whatever, you know, however you want to name the words is saying what we're bringing to the planet right now is greater than your medical community can keep up with. Therefore, you have to go and discover something new. You have to uncover something new because people don't just sit around and wait to die. They will, people that go, I don't believe in healing and this is bullpucky and, you know, but they find out they have an inoperable cancer. They're going to go looking. All mm -hmm. of a sudden, the rhetoric of their mind it, they don't even remember that they didn't believe. Mm. Oh my goodness. You're a blessing. So from what I understand, you are really passionate about having healers within their own home, correct? Well, that's what I have said since I created my modality and then my academy. Mm -hmm. I didn't create my, well, I, yeah, I created the modality. The healing was there. I created a modality around it so I could 
preform it, come into form when I wanted it to. Um, but the academy got created because I actually believe there should be a healer in every home. I do not believe in war. War is the opposite of peace. Peace is community, right? When we come to unity. War is where we have separation, individual ideas that think individual has anything to do with the whole. Mm -hmm. I believe that if we have a healer in every home, which is not going to happen in my lifetime, but would you plant a tree if you knew it wouldn't create shade for 200 years? I am. I don't need you to believe in me. I just need you to have a pain bad enough that you come to see me after your own direct experience, you know, you know, it works. And then you share it with your friends who go, I have cancer or a hernia or whatever. Go see this woman because it works. I also don't believe in standing at the foot of um, what would we call it? Politics or Washington DC or whatever screaming, you know, help me with insurance. I think anytime you fight against, you create more problem. When you stand for, you create possibility it from nonsense to sense, however long that takes. If I put a healer in every home, no one's going to the hospital, no one's going to the doctor, insurance has to course correct itself. Mm-hmm. Now, going to the doctor becomes your last place you go instead of your first. Now there's a respect and a healthy respect of like, okay, now we really need you because the silver healing modality isn't working or whatever modalities you've found that are helpful without having to cut it open, put chemo into it, band-aid it, numb it, distract yourself from it, that insurance has to justify itself in a whole new formation. There's no war. Mm -hmm. No one's screaming at anyone. Instead of looking at the problem and screaming about the problem and fighting over the problem, we are heavily invested in a possibility. We just have to be willing to risk going into nonsense. Anyone who takes my academy in six weeks, I'll teach you how to heal with your hands. Mm. Six weeks from the day you start. Wow. But I tell them the first two to three weeks, get a seatbelt because it's a mad hatter tea party and, and people get up in arms. But how can I teach you to live in the miraculous? How can I teach you to do something you've never even heard of on this planet anywhere? that's this powerful if I can't send you through a little mind obstacle because I can't teach you with what you already know how to do what you don't know. Mm-hmm. So by week three, I put a furnace in your belly. I turn it on. And in that moment, you feel heat in your belly. And in that moment, the Mad Hatter Tea Party starts to calm down and just kind of become a tea party. Mm-hmm. And now people are involved and playing and excited with this toy that they have heat in their belly and they're, you know, And if you can get the world, which I'm just one lady by herself, by herself, I have people I've trained on six continents. If one grandma can do that, don't tell me everyone's not powerful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, so profound your work. So how can people learn about your academy? It sounds, so it's a six- Well, let's do this first. Put your hand, this is video or audio. People are listening- Okay, so put your hands up to your screen. And if you're listening to this podcast in a week or a month or a year, you could still do this because my these are blessings and my healing doesn't live in space and time. It lives present. So if you can put your hands up a year from now, you're still going to feel this. All right. You feel heat or tingling? I feel tingling. So some people will feel heat. So where are you located? I'm on Vancouver Island. 
Okay, and I'm right now in Santa Barbara, California, and you can feel heat in your screen, and that's not possible in your worldview. Now, I'm gonna do one more thing. <laughs> I'm gonna blow on my screen. You can put your hands down. See if you can feel wind in your face. Not everybody can the first time, but I would say a good 60% of people can. Okay, that doesn't live in your worldview. I have found wormholes and I have been able to adapt and tap in and cultivate and create and extrapolate. And my job is to train people in six weeks how to be able to do that. Mm. Now, will they be as strong as me? No. Will they be able to do, you know, level four, I teach you how to do energetic surgeries in the body, pull eyes apart and livers apart and, you know, clean things and put them back together in a healthy way. But at the day I initiate you in week six, which means I'm turning your furnace on, I'm filling it. The day I initiate you in week six, you can heal people. You can turn to your significant other and heal their bad back problem. If that's possible, why do we have war? But it's so profound and it's so advanced to your culture that people don't even want to look. Isn't it crazy that <laughs> to you, I have a magic trick. You'd get really excited. You'd be like, show it to me. Yeah. <laughs> pay a lot of money to go see magic acts. Mm -hmm. But if, if I say I have magic, you run in the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. Our culture is trained not to believe in the unbelievable. It's trained not to get near any edge or any side, not to go anywhere near nonsense. It's trained to believe in a stranger with a knife in its hand, but mm. not a human being with a blessing. Mm. Isn't that the truth? Isn't that interesting? But you have to remember, God trained me early. At 14 years old, I was lying to my mom and saying that I was going to ballet class, which I did five nights a week. But- when I was going to do Kundalini yoga. Mm -hmm. So I already know people don't believe. So I, I don't have a problem with it, but I've become really sneaky in how to get people to try it anyway. And mm -hmm. you just watch their minds melt. You just watch them kind of go, like people say, you know, I'm a skeptic. There was this six foot six, 87 year old man. I don't know, a week ago, two weeks ago, a doctor came to my office and brought his patients. He got on the table and his and he said, I brought my two hardest patients that I cannot fix or whatever they call it. And, um, and this guy was like seven, 87 years old, six foot six. He got, I don't believe in any of this. You know, he was like, somebody had, they, two people had to help him up off the couch and to, mm. you know, he could barely get on the table and he laid on the table. He was like, you need to know I'm a skeptic, you know, and mm. he just, I've been run over and I've been this and I've been that. My left, my think his left side hadn't worked for 30 or 40 years. And that gentleman got off my table by himself, happy and fine. He said he hadn't felt his left foot. It felt like he had a pad in his foot this thick for years and years and years. He got off the table. He's like, yeah, there's no pad. There's no, he was on my table for 30 minutes. Wow. 30 minutes. I love skeptics. <laughs> as long if you lay on my table, I love skeptics. If you're a skeptic and you won't lay on my table or or do a Zoom healing with me, I don't know about you anyway, so it doesn't bother me. Mm -hmm. 
so much so. I'm curious. So for example, the lady that you met today uh, who has Parkinson's, do you show her how to support herself within her own healing? Do you share with her how to start to utilize her own healing abilities with self? It depends. And I didn't meet her today. She flew in. I met her in person today. I've done, I think she said I've done 13 healings with her so far. Um, but I work on Zoom all over the world every day. Every 15 mm -hmm. minutes, I I just push a button and someone new that signed up on my website shows up and I do a healing for them. And then I either never see them again because they healed or I keep seeing them until their healing is complete. Mm. Um, so this was the first time they flew in because they heard I was in LA to come see me in person. But when I met her, she said, um, and her husband sits and writes every single thing down. It's the sweet, they are so in love. They have 30 year old kids and yeah, mm. I love working with them. Um, and they were very clear when they started with me that she her pain's it, like a sharp knife going through her crown 24-7, and it's never come down below a six. And after, I think, my second healing with them, I don't remember things, but I think um, it came down to a three, but then went back up to a five. But anyway, now we have it like leveled out at a three. It'll go three, five, back to three. I don't know if you know the difference between a three and a five when someone's got knife pain going through their head 24 seven, but it's huge. And they've been to, like, I think I said 13 doctors in the last two years to zero help. Mm. And you start, you know, not giving up, but zero help. You just start getting used to this is my life. Mm -hmm. so they're, they're having a field day. They're in heaven. You know, they're wow. just, and then another lady came in and laid on the table today who flew to Austin to see me. I think she said two months ago or four months ago, something like that. And she had a burning tongue. She couldn't eat. Her tongue burned so bad. Anytime she ate food, it just got unbearable. She had lost all this weight. She was weak. Um, she came in today. I did not recognize her. It was one healing four months ago. I don't know how long ago. They're all live. You can go watch them. But um she walked in, she said, I'm 95% better. And like, no one had ever helped her at all. Mm. So it, it's just, it's a, it's very rewarding to get to do healings on people and actually see them get better. I was working on a doctor not too long ago who was blind in his left eye, did three 15 minute zoom healings on him and he's not blind anymore. So wow. as a result, he came and took the academy and he Amazing. just finished level two with me. Oh, that's fantastic. That and he graduated, so I think he graduated from Harvard. So he's no slouch. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Been running an emergency room in Los Angeles for 35 years. Oh my goodness. I love the openness and willingness. That's so, that's so incredible. That's so good. I love hearing those stories. So for those listening, how can they learn more about your academy? How can they register? How, or, or is it through application and how does it work? Yeah. Well, number one, I believe you should always test drive a car before you buy it. So once every five or six weeks, I have a complimentary global healing event. So somewhere between 500 and a thousand people from all over the world show up and it's free because why not? I love, I had a charity in India for 10 years. I love giving things away. So people come and they watched some of my TV shows on Gaia or whatever. I have 35 years of information out there. And then they once they come and they see, oh my gosh, I got better or my mom got better or whatever, then they sign up for complimentary consultation. And it's not hundreds of people and me, it's just maybe 10 
people and we're having a conversation about the academy and during that it's at 140 on Tuesdays. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's when I do them every Tuesday at 140 Central Time. And um, it's complimentary. And we have a conversation for about a half an hour about the Academy. And then I'll bring on uh, one of my other Academy members who um, did a level one so they can talk to someone who went through a level one, not just the creator and teacher. And um, yeah, then they sign up for the Academy. The the Academy is one full year, level one. It's 12 months and everything is on Zoom because it's global. It has to be on Zoom. Mm -hmm. After level one, everything's in person. It's a seven day retreat but level one is on zoom and um, the next one I'm doing is mid February. I believe Um, the next entrance, I just finished initiating a group and now all of January I'm doing uh, level two and level three Academy. So then in February we have Academy level one again, and then they take that six weeks. They start the academy the year with that six weeks. In week six, they now can heal people. Now they're healing people. Now I'm teaching them about medicine and the human body and human behavior. So they, the practitioner, can become more powerful, mm-hmm. that they understand medicine in a whole new way. I love training doctors, psychiatrists, psychologists, OBGYNs, veterinarians, emergency medicine doctors. You, you know, I've trained everyone in medicine. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They're like, they come to, I just did a level two academy and all these doctors and nurses there. And this one lady walked in, I'm going to guess 75 years old, but she probably had two weeks left to live. Wow. She was very ill, very frail. She lays on the table and all these doctors and nurses are standing around watching. And I said, okay, get out your cameras. You're about to see a miracle. Mm -hmm. her legs were black from the knee down. And I just know this is something easy for me. And it's where it's kind of like, think of a a sandbag filling up from the bottom up. What happens when you see older people where their legs get discolored and freckled and then they say it feels like the bottom of their foot is numb and full of sand and they have no feeling and all that pain and the the necrotic tissue. And I, um, I just ran my thumbs down each one of the her legs. Her toes had turned white and red. You know, there's just no oxygen left. I think she had gone septic. Mm. Um, and within 10 minutes, all of the discoloration starts to lighten. Now she had so she was septic. So actually her legs turned black and blue. Mm-hmm. Um I think I did two more healings on her, two more 15 minute healings that week. Um, But the doctors and the nurses journaled about it the whole time and watched the process and what was going on. You have to know that there is no, there is no surgery. There's no medicine. There's no laser there. There is nothing you can do for people like that, except make them comfortable. Mm -hmm. Nothing. I heal that all the time in 10 minutes. Wow. There are so many of these kind of ailments that we just write off, like just take Tylenol or you're old. This is what old is. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. no, it's not. That's mm-hmm. not what old is. We just, and and it's not a put down to medicine. It's like, let's help medicine. Let's mm-hmm. add to what medicine, let's assist medicine. Yeah. Let's add more depth. <laughs> Yeah. In the areas medicine hasn't already captured, it's, you know, I, I couldn't be a machine. I mean, I turn babies all the time that are upside down and their moms that are breached, but 
um, but I can't read that there's an umbilical cord around a baby's neck. I can't do that. Mm. There's so many things I can't do. <laughs> Sounds like you can do an abundance of things, which is, yeah, such a blessing. I do the fun stuff. <laughs> Oh my goodness. I could be here with you all day. This is such a rich conversation. And, you know, I, in my past life, I was a nurse for a very long time. Um, and so it's just like, wow, it's just such a gift that you are bringing this, especially into the Western world medicine. And yeah, it's so needed. And I just love that a lot of the practitioners are, are open to this now and that are actually learning through you and becoming their own practitioners of healing. So it, and it's powerful. Incredible. Yeah. I have so people beautiful. I trained years and years and years ago who are powerful healers and all the way. I mean, I'll, someone get, got initiated two weeks ago. She and her husband took it. I think he's a chiropractor and she's a podiatrist, something like, I don't even know. Um, and, and he, he got initiated a week before her. I actually initiated him in week five. And she said to him, her name's Kaylee and his name's Jason. And she said, Jason, you just got initiated. My shoulders are killing me. He was, he'd been initiated for an hour. So he did what I ta taught him to do and her, her shoulders dropped and she just felt better mm. and the pain went away. He had been initiated for an hour. Wow. Such a gift. My goodness. So if beautiful. You, if you don't believe in time, it doesn't take time. And if you're connected to a wormhole, time goes away. Time lives in the mind. If there's no thought, have you ever been on an incredible date where five hours goes by in two minutes? Mm -hmm. And have you ever been in a dentist chair where two minutes goes by in five hours? Yep. <laughs> time is completely relative and it, time is made up equated to how much fear you have, how much thinking you're going through per square moment to figure out how to keep yourself safe. But if you're beyond yourself, if you're on a great date, you've never been on anything like this before. So there's no history book with which to adapt and adopt. This is how I should be until you've been there long enough to go, what do I say now? Or does he like me right now? Time comes back. But while you're on that journey and you're beyond yourself, there is no time. And you know that because you get home and go like, how long was I gone? Mm-hmm. But we take that stuff for granted. Like when we go to sleep, when you go to sleep and you dream, where do you go? Mm. You just say, I went to sleep and I woke up. No, you didn't. You were in a wormhole, but you're trained not to think. You're trained not to look beyond repetition. Mm. And when you begin to understand lodging and logging and wormholes and interactions and inceptions and viscerality and causation, you can journey. And you mm. don't need ayahuasca. And you, I take people on ayahuasca trips all the time. I take people into altered states. There's no medicine digested in your mouth. Mm -hmm. You can yeah. certainly connect with mother without putting her root in your mouth. Mm. Oh my goodness. What a beautiful, rich conversation. And I just can't thank you enough for just sharing your guests with the world and just incredible ripple effect that you're creating and leading and living a legacy of light workers. So it's so profound and so beautiful. So thank you so much. It's an honor. It's an honor. Mm -hmm. Thank you for having me. Yes. Well, I will include in the show notes how people can connect with you, how they can learn more about your offerings, your gifts and all the things. And um, before we drop off, a question I always ask my guests is, 
and you could obviously use this in whatever context you choose. But for those that are desiring or feeling like they need to quit or just throw in the towel, what is a message of hope that you can give to them? Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Not, not only never quit, there's no such thing as quitting. When you quit, you're starting here, there, somewhere else now. So you think you're getting away with it, but you can leave, you can run, but you can't hide because it's going to catch up with you. So if you stay the course, you'll actually make it through your mind. It looks like we're getting somewhere, right? It looks like I can heal now. I got somewhere. No, the only thing that happened is your perception altered. So quitting, giving up is just saying, I'm not ready to be here yet. I'm going back into the lie of my mind and the perception of the distraction that's going to keep me safe from actually meeting myself anew chaotically because of my terror of going beyond what I know. If you know that, that you're just playing a round robin game with yourself, you understand that there's no such thing as quitting. It won't stop you from quitting, but it'll get you to become more aware and maybe hold the space for another few moments until that crack in the ostrich egg can begin to take place. Because mm -hmm. once you see that crack, we gotcha. I love it. I will call that a mic drop. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Thank you so much. It was just such an honor to be here with you. And I can't wait to learn more about you and learn more about your gifts and your offerings. Well, you have to come, you have to come take my academy now. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely going to uh, drop in and see what it's all about. That is for sure. So thank you so much again. It has just been such a, such an honor to have you here. Thank you. Have a beautiful mm. day. You too. Thank you. Amazing. Thank you so much. That was fun. That, I can't believe. How Thank fun. you so much for dropping in with me today. If you loved this episode, I would be forever grateful if you rated and reviewed. And if you feel called to share it with your community on social media, please tag me so I can thank you personally. Until next time, I will see you on Dropped In.